0: On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with an abuse survivor named Victoria. And Victoria was emotionally and physically abused by her controlling father. It's a story of sibling obedience, scapegoating, self-esteem, and hope. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, a podcast that gives a voice to survivors of narcissistic abuse. I am Brandon Chadwick, but my friends call me Chad, and thanks for tuning in to this episode. So what is a narcissist, you may ask? Well, for the purposes of this podcast, we refer to a narcissist as anyone who has displayed a pattern of behavior that shows a limited capacity to appreciate others' perspectives. It is that simple. And now, before we get to our episode with Victoria, if you're someone that doesn't listen all the way through to the end of some episodes, that's a lot of us. It's even me. Today is a good episode to do so. I just found Victoria to be a very quotable guest, and I'll be using a lot Of her articulations on our Instagram and Facebook all week. Now back to my regular spiel, and also a bit of an update on on some new stuff that will be coming your way. So, I just want to first thank everyone in the Narcissist Apocalypse community for listening to our show and sharing your thoughts by email, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, a reminder if you haven't left us a review on whatever podcast service you use Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Castbox, etc., etc., leave us a five star written review as it helps out the show when it comes to rankings. Now, if you have not been to our website recently, please do go there if you want to be part of our show. Go to narcissistapocalypse.com and fill out our guest form. And once you fill that out, I'll read it eventually. I'll read that little email, and we will go from there. But the quickest way to be part of the show is to be on our letters to our Narcissist compilation episode. And we have a voicemail recorder on our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. To record, go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. It's on the right side of the page, and it's always floating around. It's a button there that's hard to miss says, send voicemail, press it, and away you'll go. We're accumulating these letters for a volume three of that episode, so send in those voicemails. And if you want me or my old pal Melissa to read your letter instead, just send it to NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. Other things on our site. Yes, we do have other things like... High Conflict Parenting Courses that can be found at NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses. Yes, we have now partnered with an online parenting company, and many of the courses we're offering were created by Bill Eddy. And if you've listened to our episode last year with a divorce lawyer named Helen, you'll know that Bill Eddy is an expert in dealing with high conflict people in court. And now he's helped create many parenting courses to help you through divorce and to help support your children too. These courses are the most widely recognized courses by family courts across the country. So if you want to support the show and are looking for guidance, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses. And what else do we have here? We have our other podcast, our sister podcast, Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A. And it is now available for your listening pleasure. Last week, we did talk to a therapist named... Tally Kadosh, and we discussed, what did we discuss? We discussed attachment styles and trauma bonding. And if you're looking for a therapist or a coach like Tally Kadosh from our Q&A podcast, please do go to abusetherapy.org. And if we don't have someone in your area, let us know and we'll help find someone for you. To those two people this week who uh, got a hold of me, I'm still looking. It's not as easy as you think to find someone who knows uh what you're talking about in some smaller towns. So go to abusetherapy.org, it helps support the show. Guess what everyone? Do you know what else helps support the show? Our Patreon. Yes, we started a Patreon. If you want to hear episodes that never made it to air, follow-up episodes with former guests and much more, join our Patreon. We'll be releasing new content on there every week. So to help support the show, become a patron. Of our patreon at patreon.com slash narcissist apocalypse ah, i got a, a few more things, everyone, and then we will get started. We also started an Instagram and a YouTube channel and started making fun pop culture narcissist-based videos. So go check out our videos on Instagram and YouTube under Narcissist Apocalypse. And as far as our Instagram goes, we'll be starting a couple of new Instagram channels soon. One I actually already started that is PTSD-related called Canada Post Traumatic Stress Disorder, and it's all done on Canadian postcards. I think it's pretty cute. Eventually, the word hoser will somehow make it on to these cards one day and for the French Canadian, uh, listeners out there, uh, I hope one day to have a, uh, a, a postcard that discusses Bonhomme because, uh, everyone in Canada loves Bonhomme and the second channel will be a mishmash of issues using Lego. And yes, narcissism will be in there in these mishma- mishmash of issues. I I've ordered a specific Lego set, and I'm hoping it arrives this week. I really uh, do hope it arrives this week. I'm excited, uh, and I am not just excited, I am super excited. And by super excited, I mean I am mega excited to start this little project. And that is it, everyone. So now, it's time for me to get out of my way and your way. Here is my conversation with Victoria. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse. With me today, I have Victoria. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I am good, and we've been chit-chatting for a while, and now we're we're getting ready. I was just talking about me the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was good. I enjoyed it. <laughs> and now we're going to talk about you, and uh, you know, you grew up with a narcissistic father. So, I am going to uh, get out of my way and your way, and the floor is now yours.
1: Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I, I grew up with my siblings and my mom up until I was about 10 years old. My, my parents were still together. It's just that my dad was uh, working abroad. He would come home every now and then and stay like a week or two. So I didn't really get to know what he was like as a parent up until I was 10. And then when I was 10, we moved to the country that he was working in so that we can all live together. Um First two years that we lived all together, I, I still didn't see much of him. It was mostly my mom, who was like the main caretaker. He was always working. She had like most of the responsibilities. And then um after those two years, we were back home at some point visiting family and he found out that she was having an affair. So he kicked her out of the house Next day, literally next day, I was made to cut her out of every single photograph he burnt all of her clothes. We were I haven't seen her since that day, still really that was twelve years ago, yeah,
0: wow, I didn't know that,
1: yeah, it will be thirteen years soon, yeah, so um yeah, so. Two days after she left, after, you know, we cut her out of all the photos and burnt all her clothes and everything, we all left the country and went on holiday for a week, uh, which I'm I'm guessing that was him trying to love us extra hard because we had just lost our mother, whatever. I mean, we didn't have to lose her, but in his eyes, she cheated, so she needed to be out of the picture no matter what.
0: So up until that point, though, your mother was your primary caregiver. Yeah. And you, what was your relationship like with her uh, before that?
1: So I can't remember too much of what it was like, but I was close to her. I remember never having to like think of what I was doing if it's going to upset her or if I'm not going to be allowed to do what I was going to. What I was doing i never really i i wasn't scared of her which is something that i did feel even back then before my dad was that much in the picture towards him whenever he'd be in town like we all knew like okay dad's here we have to be on our best behavior i didn't even question that it was just kind of like a normal thing that when he's here we're scared
0: so when you did leave you left and you were in a completely different country at that point and there's been zero contact ever since.
1: No, so when so when we moved uh when I was 10 she moved with us okay, and okay. we had we had uh lived with her for about 2 years with all of them like my my dad my mom and my siblings my three of my my three siblings. Um but like when he found out that she was having an affair we were in our home country on holiday.
0: Okay. So uh I railroaded you there so uh I apologize.
1: No that's uh, all right. Uh,
0: um so I guess continue um now you're you're with your dad, your siblings and your mom is out of the picture.
1: Right. Yeah, so she's out of the picture. We he took us on holiday immediately after he kicked her out of the house for one week, and then we went back to the country in which we were living, where he was working, but without her this time. She stayed in our home country. Um, On our way back from the airport, we picked up who then became our new stepmother. (laughs) He had known her from before. I guess he just called her up and said, like, I need someone to help me take care of my kids. That's besides the point, though. So, um... I guess between the ages of 12 and 14, just like any normal teen, I started to act out a little bit because I had just lost my mother. My grades started to drop a little. I started talking to boys. Um, My dad didn't like that at all. He instantly moved me to an extremely religious school. And he let me know that from now on, I won't go back to the school that I was in until I regain his trust. He took away my phone privileges. He took away my internet privileges. So I was just allowed to be in that religious school and only talk to the people in that school. Not allowed to speak to any of my previous friends. My siblings were still in my old school. They were doing fine. They were. It was mostly targeted at me. Um, I didn't do very well in the school. It was in uh in my native language which i'm not fluent in so after being at the school for a couple of months my my grades continued to drop obviously because i didn't really speak the language that well so he pulled me out of that school and i wasn't allowed to go to school at all just taken out completely so i stayed at home i my my life at the time basically looked like a quarantine situation that we are going through now, you know, I just stayed at home. I wasn't allowed to leave. I wasn't, but at the time I wasn't allowed to have a phone. I wasn't allowed any sort of social media. Um, but after, after being taken out maybe a month or so, I found one of my old phones and I used it in secret. Not the best idea maybe, but, uh, you know, I I wanted to be in touch with some of my old friends. I, I felt, really alone. I felt very isolated. Um, So I would do that. I I kind of figured out when his sleeping schedule was. I figured out when my siblings would go to sleep because he would make them rat on me whenever I did something behind his back. Uh, After maybe a month of having that phone, my older sister Found out she told him and he immediately drove me to the airport and threatened to send me to my mom. And I think that was the first like major altercation I had with my dad he he pretended to call her. I don't know to this day if he actually did call her or not, but he pretended to call her or he called her, I don't know. And he told her that he was going to send me back to her because he doesn't want me because I'm a horrible kid. And then he hung up the phone and told me that she didn't want me either. So he's going to have to, he's forced to take me back home with him. But because he doesn't want me and he's only doing it for my own benefit, I had to... Go back home with him and be on my best behavior from now onwards. I went home, and as a punishment, he made me kneel down in front of him, in front of the entire family, and he said, I just want you to know that this is what happens when you're not good. And he cut off the front part of my hair, like, completely. I don't even know how to describe it, but he just, like, held the front bit, and he chopped it. But it was super calm, and I think that's something that stuck with me is that how can you do that and be so calm about it as you're doing it Um, anyways so I I was good for some time I tried to I, I thought obviously at the time I was a 14 year old kid I thought it was my fault I thought I shouldn't have done this I shouldn't have lied I shouldn't have hidden this behind his back so I tried to be good I tried to be obedient as he'd call it I tried not to upset him, tried not to trigger him. So that went on for a while, but things didn't get better. He didn't give me any privileges back. I was still working hard. I was still made to work hard to be able to go to school, to be able to talk to my friends, to be able to use the Internet, anything. Um, So when I realized that it wasn't getting better, I decided to do something behind his back again i I think at the time it was finding another phone calling another one of my friends, my brother this time found out he ratted me out this time. I got really, really physically hurt he my dad he threw me down a flight of stairs, dragging me by my hair, he strangled me, he tried drowning me in a toilet, and then eventually he asked my stepmom to grab a pair of scissors and when I was resisting to let him cut my hair, he threatened to stab me with them. <sighs> and then I let him, and he cut off all my hair this time, all of it. Um, and the next day he was really nice to me, and he told me that he forgave me for what I'd done. And I think that was him love bombing me because he took me to the mall. We did a lot of shopping bought a lot of expensive things, he got my hair cut fixed, I mean it didn't grow longer but it wasn't butchered anymore. Um, So I think for some time between the age of 15 to 16 I was trying to be good, again things weren't really getting better, it was still like, yeah you're good now but I still haven't fully earned your trust. Uh, you still haven't fully earned my trust, sorry. Um, you still have to work harder to earn my trust. You still have to wait more. You still have to be more patient. So I was now approaching 16 and I'm still not in school. And it's, I think by at 16, you're supposed to be in 10th grade. I wasn't finishing any of my grades. My friends were, you know, going further. I was just, I was stuck. And so after about a year of being on my best behavior, doing the best I could, and things still not getting better, I started going on social media again behind his back. I started talking to my mom. And after some time, he found out that I was using Facebook. He asked me to open it with my password and let him look through my messages. And when he saw that I was speaking to my mom, I think that might have been the worst he's ever physically hurt me. And then he locked me in my bedroom for seven days straight, where I was only allowed to have the housekeeper come and let me out to go to the bathroom once a day and bring me food twice a day. So that was pretty horrible. Um, About a, a week later, he let me out. And I think by then I was 16. He gave me the silent treatment for four months And while he gave me the silent treatment, no one else in my family was allowed to speak to me until he forgave me. So for about four months, I was not allowed to be in my bedroom. I was only allowed to be in the living room, and I was forced to be ignored by all my family.
0: So um, a couple of things. Yes. When it comes to your friends that you're contacting, are they concerned? Do they understand what's going on? Are you voicing that to them? And uh, I
1: wasn't no, I was I was very ashamed of what I was going through because I I I was sure it was my fault. Why am I going through this and my siblings aren't? I'm the only one who's doing things behind his back. I'm the only one who's who's you know being disobedient. I was sure that if I told my friends they'd be like, "Well, just be good."
0: So what did you tell them was going on, why you couldn't see them, why you were um, hidden away?
1: Honestly, it sounds really stupid, but I would just tell them I'm busy or I moved schools or some stuff came up. I did tell my best friend who is still my best friend to this day, actually. Um, I owe her a lot. She she used to send me handwritten letters through my brother. And she was, I guess, the only person who was properly concerned. Well, because she knew.
0: And when you were in these periods of isolation, um, I, did you have things to write with or th- anything to do in there? I mean, what was your thought process and what got you through those times of uh, isolation?
1: When I was at home or you mean when I was locked up in no, my bedroom? When you were
0: locked up in your bedroom.
1: Okay. When I was locked up in my bedroom, um, I think I spoke to you about this uh, earlier. It's I've, I had like a few magazines. I had some really old makeup and I just sort of found a passion And I I I thought of the future a lot. It helped me during that week to just envision myself not being there anymore, not being in that house, having my own life, making my own decisions. And I think one of the things one of the ideas I latched onto is, you know, eventually becoming a makeup artist and, and making money that way because I gave up on the idea of going back to school or having a degree and you don't really need that to I mean you do need that but you don't have to have a high school degree if if you're talented enough if you're good enough it would work out so i sort of just put put that as an idea in my head and i i played around with the makeup i had i looked at the pictures in the magazine i'm not a makeup artist now but it helped me at the time yeah. to to distract myself and to to sort of hold on to the future that seemed possible.
0: And when you, you said you, you got an, like a note from your uh, your best friend and yeah. your brother was the one that uh, gave it to you, were there moments where your siblings seemed like maybe they, they felt bad, they knew what was going on was wrong, but at the same time they couldn't yeah. stop themselves from being uh, obedient because they were, they, I guess, living maybe in a fear
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think all of them felt really bad for me. I think it it was mostly my older sister who was made to feel really guilty for not, um, I guess, snitching on me. Because she actually knew about my mom's affair and then my dad found out that she knew. So he told her from now on, no, he, he told her, it's your fault that... Things ended the way they did. If you had just told me, I would have gone about it better. So from now on, you have to tell me everything, so, even if it's not about you. Mm-hmm.
0: But did, do you guys ever have conversations with each other during that time about what was going on? Or were you afraid to? Because if you said the wrong thing, you were might be ratted out. Yeah. So then- No,
1: at the time, I didn't have any sort of conversations with my siblings about that. I tried to to me I, I felt like I had to hide everything I was doing from everyone at home. Mm-hmm. I didn't put myself in a position where I gave anyone else the power to go and say something that I didn't want them to say.
0: So you lost your you lost your voice in that time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Um I, I railroaded you once again. Where were we um in the story,
1: so we were when I was sixteen, and okay. I had just been uh, been let out of my my one week uh, lockdown, I guess, in the bedroom. Um, yeah, after I came out, like I said, there were four months in which uh, he didn't speak to me, and no one was allowed to speak to me until he forgave me. They did speak to me when he was at work, but they still obeyed him when. He wasn't. When he was home, they all acted like they were disgusted with me and they, they they didn't want to speak to me or be around me. But I was also not allowed to not be around them. I had to feel those things. I had to feel isolated. I had to feel shunned by all of them. And he would love my siblings extra hard in front of me during those periods just to uh, just to rub it in that much more. Um, so after those four months, you know, he forgave me. Things seemed to to be starting to get a little bit better, but nothing really happened more than just him being okay with me. I still didn't go back to school. I still didn't get any privileges back. I was still somewhat holding on to the idea of things going back to normal, even though by then it had been already like two years that I'm out of school, two years that I'm not allowed to use a phone to use social media any of that stuff but to me it just felt like if i hadn't fucked up the last time it would have come back sooner but i keep fucking up i keep prolonging it i mean it wasn't that way just in my head he told me those things he would always tell me you you put yourself back to ground zero by doing this thing now so you're prolonging this process you're the one pushing this further and further and further um so I think for for some time after after that whole week in my bedroom, I think at that point, it started to change for me. Um, I started to slowly realize maybe maybe this isn't just a phase. Maybe he's not just upset or hurt. Maybe this is just how he is. So I got better at lying. Um, I stayed really good. Until I was 17. And then around 17, I think um, I ran into one of my friends. We I was out with my family at the mall. I ran into someone from my old school, and I became super nostalgic, and I wanted to speak to one of my friends. So I asked him for permission, and he let me. I called my best friend, the one I mentioned earlier. And um, after that phone call, he gave me the silent treatment for a couple of days. And, and my, my initial thought was... If me talking to my best friend is going to upset my dad, then I don't need to speak to my best friend. I just need to be as good as possible, and I need to make him as happy as possible. And I think that was when I took a step back, and I was like, that's that's not okay. You didn't do anything wrong, and he's upset with you because you're speaking to someone who's your best friend. So I think that helped me realize this isn't a phase. This is, it, it helped me slowly get to this isn't your fault, but I wasn't there yet. Um, but and, I, and I, Was
0: that something that was your own epiphany or, that, or were you able to read about any of this type of abuse at that time? Uh, or was that just uh, an actual realization you just popped into your head one day? This is not, uh, I have done nothing wrong. I know I have done nothing
1: wrong. No, it, it, it wasn't that I've done nothing wrong up until now. It was just that I've done nothing wrong by calling my best friend today and he's still upset with me. He's like, I took his permission that time and he still gave me the silent treatment for two days and he still made me sit there and question what I'm doing and, and question whether or not I even want this friendship with my best friend if it's going to upset my dad like it is. and And that's when it was my own realization that right now I'm not doing anything wrong. Maybe maybe i am too what's the word i think i was just so isolated and left alone with him and it my my life revolved around making him happy and it it just took everything from me
0: and when it comes to your mom did you have any even though technically you guys left her did you have uh abandonment issues when it uh, revolved around your mom? Did you think about her a lot during any of that time? Uh, Yeah, I
1: did for sure. I mean, a big part of of us leaving her um, was my my dad basically telling us that we can talk to her if we want to, but we had to ask him for permission first. And every time I'd ask him for permission, he would tell me she doesn't want to talk to you. She wants to have a new life. She wants a life without her kids yeah. So for for a long time, he fed that to all of us that like she she never wanted us. She's actually happier now that we left. Um, I don't know the truth to that. She's. I'm sure she went through her own trouble with that. I have gotten in touch with her recently, but anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. Um. Yeah. So after after that whole thing happened, where I sort of realized he's he's still finding a reason to be upset with me, to give me a silent treatment, even when I had definitely not done something wrong, it it made me realize that maybe I do just need to continue to do the things that I want to do and be better at hiding them. I know that sounds horrible, but I couldn't give myself away like that, like I did, like I had for that whole year where I was willing to give up my best friend just because my dad was upset. Does that make sense hmm
0: Of course it does I mean okay. you' at every turn your dad is shutting you down uh, telling you that everything is your fault like everything that goes wrong is is your fault um, you 're not allowed to communicate every time you 're kind of given the opportunity uh, out of choice or free will, even when you do it it's then you 're given a negative reaction um or you reprimanded so eventually of course you're gonna have to do what you have to do to survive and
1: yeah exactly you know, so. um sorry go on
0: oh no 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 i was, I was
1: done yeah um yeah so i, I kind of had to for i guess for my own coping mechanism at the time to have my life and then also be the person that he wanted me to be in front of him so that I can be able to do both of these things and not be punished for it. Um, So after some time, you know, I started talking to him about like, okay, so I've been, I've been punished for the last three years now, taken out of school, but my future is still, you know, I still have to do something for my future. So we sort of talked about that. He didn't want to put me back in school. He didn't want me in touch with anyone that I used to be in touch with before. He had this image that anyone from my old life is bad influence. I needed to get away from that completely. We, we discussed potentially, you know, me getting into film studies when I was older. So he let me do fil- uh, acting courses once a week. And he would have someone escort me to the bus station before I get to go to the acting courses. And then someone pick me up from the bus station just to make sure that, you know, I'm going there and not somewhere else. But I still found loopholes and I started slowly making more friends. And But before that happened, uh, when I first started those acting courses, I noticed that I used to be... A very outgoing person and now i'm suddenly so nervous around all these people and and obviously i was i mean i had not seen people for almost an entire year i was forced to stay home for that for the entirety of that you know my 16th year um so i think that also pushed me further to realize what he's doing is not okay because up until then it it was kind of like yeah but i kind of deserve it so,
0: so I have a question. Um, yes, please. So you're at a very young age forced to lead a a double life, and yeah. and now you're in this acting class where, in acting class, you're allowed to be other people. Right. Um. So, how was the process of learning acting, and how did it affect? you, um, as a person to understand what was going on or did it?
1: I don't think, I don't think I understood much of what was going on at the time. I think it took me a really long time. I mean, I think it, it took therapy for me to realize, yeah, I kind of was, you know, living a double life because to me it was just, I'm lying to my dad. That was it. It didn't, it didn't feel like I'm living two different identities,
0: well, you, well on... you're, you're surviving is what you're doing you're yeah, you're coping yeah. and you're surviving and you're getting through it to eventually you know when when the time hits and you 're officially allowed to leave that home um you know you're you're waiting for that moment I guess I, I asked about the acting just because I guess the I guess the theory of acting actually I don't even know the theory of acting but you know where you're, you're embodying some other characters I don't if that was like helpful for you as as, as escapism uh, I
1: think it definitely helped me get over some of the social anxiety I was going through at the time
0: all right I railroaded you again
1: no that's okay I, I like it when you do that it it helps me get my thoughts in order okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I started using the acting courses as an excuse to um, to go out. So sometimes I'd lie and say, you know, I have two acting courses this week. And I would meet up with one of my uh, friends that I'd made through the acting courses. So I, I, I just wanted to do the things that I wanted to do without having to be reprimanded for it, I guess. But slowly it got more and more... Um, I guess, easy. After my acting courses were over, I took up some improv courses and that allowed me to go out more and to lie more and to, you know, put, use improv as an excuse. And then I started doing, I I finished my first improv courses. I started doing my second ones and slowly I started to meet new people and I actually had some new friends that I didn't have before. And because when I had left school at 14 i basically lost all of my friends that i'd made up until then and by 17 i had no friends and i had to redo that all over again so that i can live a normal life you know despite everything Mm -hmm. um yeah after after that went on for about a year where i only did acting and improv in his eyes and then i do some stuff and his back. He he sat me down and he's like, "Okay, now that your acting uh, phase is over, what do you actually want to do?" <laughs> so we started discussing the idea of me going to university, but that didn't work out because I don't have, I didn't have a high school diploma. But we decided to, that I'm going to do my um, high school exams, like equivalent to high school degree, I guess. Mm-hmm. I did those at home without any tutors or anything, and I didn't do very well. And he always told me that this was the reason he took me out of school, because I was bad at school. And he would use my grades oh. as uh, as an example of, like, as proof, or whatever he called it, to to why it was a good decision that he took me out. But when when it seemed to me like school or university was not an option, I asked him if I could get a job at 19. He allowed it as long as I just go to work and come home and that's it. So I worked as a waitress for about a year, between 19 to 20. And of course, just like before, I used my work as an excuse to sometimes go out or I would uh, go out when he wasn't home. By then, he also let me have a phone because I was going to work. But he would routinely check my phone if, you know, I had to live with the fear of him finding anything or
0: whatever. So before you got the job, what did he expect of you? Like, did he expect you just to live with him forever and and be at home?
1: Well, he expected that regardless of what I did. He, he that, wanted that, me that to you go li- to... That,
0: that you would live at home for your whole life?
1: That I would live at home until I get married.
0: Okay, but at the same time, he's not allowing you to meet anyone to get married to.
1: No, yeah. he needs to. He needs to be the one to choose the person okay. I get married okay. to. Okay, so this is. I if mean, that is I mean, he's sort re, of that. It's
0: very controlling. This is beyond control. Like this is like, um, yeah, I mean, that's. It's, is it a religious uh, reasoning?
1: He he claims that it's religious, but my family is not religious. Okay. It's just that I think he uses it as an excuse to be controlling. I feel like I went through the timeline so quickly that I didn't really talk that much about his characteristics, but him about how he's controlling. But like I I wasn't allowed to wear shorts at home because that was too revealing. So he would control what I wore at home, not even outside of the house. He he would control like obviously I already discussed the people I speak to, um where I went, who who I would see, all of that. But um Yeah, so by the time I started working, it had already been about two or three years since our last major altercation. So he was starting to slowly give me some privileges back. Like I got the phone back He he stopped putting that much emphasis on making sure that I am at work or at home. So he was a little bit more... um, I think it was because I was making my own money that he he took a step back and he didn't want me to take advantage of the fact that I was making my own money now. So he started to let me have more privileges. Um, I also... Met a guy at the time, my ex boyfriend, who I now realize was also a narcissist. I'm not gonna get too much into that, but that relationship ended up with him basically blackmailing me by telling me that if I don't get back with him, he's gonna tell my dad everything I did behind his back. So that was, uh, that was quite. Intense, I think, for me to go through. He, he he did that for about two months. He did eventually end up messaging my dad on Facebook, a pretty long message with everything that I've done, but my dad never saw it, thankfully.
0: So he immediately, I guess you put your trust in, in him it kind of maybe, did you tell him what was going on? And then...
1: I told him everything, yeah. He yeah. was the first person that I had been uh, romantically involved with or even like physically intimate with all of these things, and I i guess for me it felt like for the first time I have someone who cares about me and cares about how I feel, and it felt safe to tell him the things that I had gone through and the things that have really affected me emotionally. Um, I spoke to him a lot about the physical abuse and how I have nightmares because of it and and how despite, you know, not... Having been hit in two years or three years or so, it was still something that haunted me. And not just that, but all the control and all the emotional abuse and the manipulation and everything. And him turning my siblings against me. All of that, it was weighing down on me and I didn't have anyone to speak to. And then I meet this guy and I tell him and after we break up, he uses all of that against me
0: how so was, how how long was that relationship
1: it was it, it lasted for 6 months
0: okay so um but he he quickly revealed himself of of what character um he was
1: no he did 4 months after we broke up okay. so we had decided that we were going to break up uh when he left to uni which was you know 6 months after the start of our relationship so it was Decided on both our parts But by the time he was uh, Supposed to leave he didn't want to break up anymore But I did because I didn't feel Like um, I didn't feel like I was that Invested or as much as I should be I felt like I was risking A lot for Someone that I didn't See that much of a future with anymore Mm -hmm. Um, So we Decided to stay friends and then um, Four months Later he found out that I was seeing someone else and he started blackmailing me with that and telling me that if I don't leave my uh, boyfriend at the time, he was going to tell my dad if I don't leave him and get back to him, get back with the guy, he was going to kill himself. And yeah, like I said, that went on for two months. And then in the end he did end up uh, messaging my dad on Facebook. But for almost every night of those two months, I would leave my house and sit outside and just wait and see if my dad is angry all of a sudden. And if he is, then he knows. And if not, I go back home and I sleep peacefully. Mm-hmm. Repeat the next day.
0: <sighs> How are you doing?
1: I'm doing okay. It's, it's a little bit difficult to talk about the, all of this stuff still, but um, it's good.
0: You're doing so, well. You're doing well.
1: Thank you. Um, Yeah, so the other person that I was seeing, um, my other ex-boyfriend, I'll call him, uh, he was good to me. So I don't think I need to get too much into detail into that relationship. But um, So after waitressing for about a year, I found a different job as a receptionist at a beauty salon. Where I was making a little bit more money. So I started working there. And everything from me starting my working life was me trying to get to a point where I can be fully financially independent and escape. It took me a while. (laughs) I'm 24 now and I've just left recently. I stayed working at the uh, beauty salon for about two and a half years. And then through the connections that I've made through some people through work and everything, I got offered a job at my current, uh, working place where I was offered enough money to be able to sustain myself on my own completely.
0: And then you, you, when did you move out?
1: So I moved out almost a year ago, last year in August. And By the time I was getting close to moving out, I had always envisioned that my escape would be, you know, during the night when my dad's asleep, just pack my bags and get the fuck out. That was always the way I saw it. I always saw myself leaving the country even to do that. But by the time I was, I've gotten to the point where I was financially independent, things were good enough. That I felt like I could talk to him about it So I told him I said like Look I'm now making enough money And I'd like to move out I'd like to be living on my own I'm 24 He didn't like the idea He said no So I told him I'm not asking you I'm letting you know But I'd like to do this on good terms So he allowed it But after I had moved out I think that was when Everything I went through Just completely rushed back to me I felt everything in the first 2-3 months I think of moving out I felt I just every day and every night all I could think of was everything that I had been through from the age of 14 until now it was a decade of him breathing down my throat and 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 hurting me and it was really difficult And I had to see him once a week after having moved out. And every time I saw him, I just felt so sick and I felt so disgusted. I felt like I I don't want to be around this person who only loves me when I'm good or when I'm obedient or... You know what I mean? Mm
0: -hmm. It was all conditional to uh, his um his life and what he wanted you were never exactly. you, were, you were never allowed to be you you were never allowed to be yourself and it, it, did you um i guess you right now i guess you're going through the process of discovering yourself is there is there a lot of you that um doesn't know who you are or yeah and how do you go about that
1: um so I think it at the at the time when I when I started noticing that I can't really be around him now that I've moved out I decided to confront him um I don't know if this is a good idea in general with narcissists but it felt like a good idea to me at the time and it wasn't it wasn't the type of confrontation where you're like you you know fuck you you did this to me it was more like I'm really hurt because you did these things to me, but I understand why you did, and I love you. And I'd like to work on our relationship together. And I let him know that I feel like he doesn't know who I am and, and that I feel like he only allowed me to be the person he wanted me to be. And I didn't think that that was going to work out if we were going to have you know a normal father-daughter relationship anymore now that I don't have to be the person he wants me to be. He didn't take it very well. He he responded by basically saying, everything I did, you pushed me to do. He also said, I never hit you, which isn't true. Um, and he said, I treated you all the same, as in my siblings and I, which is also not true. Um and then he ended his, uh, I sent, I sent my confrontation over email and then he responded also over email and he ended it by saying, please don't ever contact me again. So I haven't since then. It's been no contact. That's been six months, I think.
0: And, yeah. and how, how did, uh, what did you go into a tailspin after that? How does it feel discussing that right now?
1: It's really strange because I remember how I felt when I wrote the letter. I remember feeling like um, this is a man who, who, you know, he was incredibly hurt because his wife had cheated on him and he had to face being a single parent on his own and he didn't know how to. And I was rebellious and he did what he thought was best. I gave him so many excuses until I realized that it's I'm. I was 14. First of all, you don't you don't fight with a kid and say, well, you pushed me to do this. And then also, I started reading a lot more about narcissistic personality disorder. And I think as much as people say that the label shouldn't matter, it helped me realize that regardless of what I had done, I would have probably still ended up Living a very similar life, or or regardless of what happened to him, with my mom, I would have probably ended up living a similar life. So it helped me to understand that that it helped me to understand that it wasn't my fault at all.
0: So uh, we haven't talked about your stepmom. Can you tell me a little bit about your stepmom? Because we haven't heard uh, much about her. Yeah. I, I assume that she was uh, very, um, well, uh, obedient.
1: Yes. Um, funny thing is that remember the lady that I told you we picked up on the way home and that ended up being our stepmom at the time. She was our stepmom for about a year. And then my and then my dad separated her and he met someone else who's still my stepmom now. So they've been together for about a decade. Um, Throughout everything that I've ever gone through, she was always there for me until he found something out. And then she would instantly turn against me and not speak to me until he spoke to me again. But it wasn't just to be obedient. She would do this when he wasn't around as well. She would tell me, why Why did you do this? This is because of you. This is your fault. You shouldn't have done this. He's only behaving this way because of you you triggered his anger. Or, or sometimes she would get really upset with me for making him angry because then he would be angry towards her. So it's always my fault from her point of view as well. Um, I'm actually not speaking to my stepmom either now.
0: <laughs> well, understandably, because it would all be relayed back to to him, but you can't trust yeah. her. She's not uh, trustworthy. Where did he um, find these women?
1: The first one he used to work with. Mm -hmm. And then the second one, he was looking for a babysitter for my youngest sister. Because at that point, you know, we didn't have a mother figure and she was five. So he needed uh, someone to be there all the time. And then he fell in love with her. So he married
0: her. (laughs) Is he charming?
1: He's incredibly charming. And... Incredibly charismatic, just like you hear, you know, about all, most narcissists at least. He, I mean, that's when, when I feel like I miss him, it's me missing his charming side when, when he was understanding and affectionate and sweet and all those things. He can be those things, mm-hmm. but it's not real.
0: Yeah. Cause the whole time while recording... I had this picture of him in my head, and now that we just, we talk about um, him being charming, I have another idea of you know what you you were dealing with. He was um, one thing to one people in this outside world, and he could you know be something to them, and then behind closed doors, he was
1: something else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a big part of why he was, um, why he stuck to a lot of the religious values, even though he wasn't religious, was because his family is religious. And he's really close to his sisters and brothers who still live back home, which is, you know, a religious country. Um So a lot of the things that he would want us to do or the way he wanted us to dress, all of that and how, you know, him seeing that it reflected on him was just to show that, to show his family that like, look, I'm still religious. I still hold these family values and all of that.
0: And when it comes to your siblings, are you in contact with them or are they not allowed to
1: be in contact with you? I am currently in contact with my younger sister and my brother. But my older sister, I'm not. And my older sister is a very uh, interesting story, I guess, because between her and I, she was the golden child. She was she had so much pressure to be successful. She did incredibly well at school. She went to med school after high school. She also did incredibly well in med school. So my dad always praised her and always saw her as like the good kid and So she had a lot of pressure to be successful because the validation she got from him when she was successful really worked for her. So we're not in contact at the moment because we both have very conflicting views on who my dad is. She, And it makes me feel like she's enabling the things that he did to me. So I decided that um, it would be a good idea to take a little bit of a break.
0: Yeah, if her life didn't end up that way, if she did not end up a doctor, um, she would not be seen in the same way as your dad sees her and praises her um, at all. Does he does he show her off in a sense? Like this? Yeah, is, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's to him, he is an extension of her, and she's still not her own person.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I think I think to him we were, we were all an extension of who he was. I mean, when I was working as a waitress, he used to lie about my job and tell people that I was managing a restaurant to my face. Um when I told him I, this was part of I put, I used this as part of my letter when I confronted him. I said like you were embarrassed of me when I was only there because of you. He said I wasn't embarrassed of you. I pitied you. <laughs>
0: And so all of these things that happened, uh, when you were younger, all of these survival techniques of how you acted or reacted, things you had to shut down within yourself. Now you're out of the home. You've been out of the home for six months. You, uh.
1: No, I've been no contact for six months. No contact for six months. For a year.
0: For a year. For
1: about a year. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, you've had, you know, a couple of relationships and, you know, I mean, first of all, you should be extremely proud of yourself that you've done it all on your own and, uh, Thank you. you know, you're, you're living a life for you, but are there things that you've learned over time that are not now hindering you, uh, that you know of, and, and there could be some things we don't, uh, know yet. The, the things that you had to do to protect yourself once before are not serving you anymore. Um, if that makes sense,
1: it does make sense, and I'm I'm just finding the words to to describe what I feel. I think one of the things is that I find it. So I I actually have a boyfriend now, and we live together. He moved in with me uh, a few months ago, so that's a completely different life to what I ever envisioned for myself. I always thought I'd end up, you know, with the person my dad picked, but I don't have to. So, yeah, but um yeah so I do find it sometimes difficult to be transparent with him because I still fear how the other person would react when you know you are expressing the things that are on your mind, but i 'm working on it
0: so you 're still feeling if I express myself in this way, then this person will give me the silent treatment. this person will yeah. not like me, so you bottle up a lot of stuff and you are so as far on the communication scale uh are you a good communicator Uh, are you like in the middle of the range or you like you're learning
1: no i'd like to say that i'm i'm a good communicator because i try to pay really close attention to not letting that affect me now but despite you know communicating the things on my mind i still feel like now this person is upset with me now this person is going to react this way next week because of what i said now or like it keeps me paranoid and it keeps me thinking of it all the time or it's it's not great.
0: Yeah, you you feel a lot of guilt. Yes. Yes. And have you gone uh are you working with uh a therapist now to work yes. on this stuff? So what are the, what are, what are the biggest things you work on?
1: Self-love and self-worth.
0: And how do you go guys go about that?
1: So we are trying to Pay really close attention to how I feel all the time, because part of you know what i part of my survival instinct when I was at home was paying really close attention to my dad 's mood if he was in a good mood, I had to be in a good mood if he was in a bad mood, I had to stay quiet and steer clear, so i didn 't have time to feel or to know what I felt or to pay attention to what I felt so I neglected that part of myself and now I'm, I'm trying to see how things make me feel. And that's part of understanding who I am because, you know, how things make you feel are what you like and what you don't like. And, you know, does that make sense? Mm-hmm.
0: And as far as things that you like and don't like and interests, you know, growing up, I guess you weren't really allowed to have much of uh interest in a lot of things or weren't able to yeah, in, I wasn't in, given in, the opportunity. indulge those. So have you gone through a process of trying to learn what you actually do or do not like?
1: Yes. So I had to you know, seeing as I had to put the film studies idea to to rest because my dad didn't see a future in that, I've been uh I've been trying to see if, if there is something there. Recently, especially with the whole quarantine stuff lately, with working from home and everything, it's given me a lot more time to um, try and see what I can do with editing and and writing and all of that. It, it feels good that I can do this without thinking, what if he won't approve? Um, I think to a certain extent, maybe it is working out for me that I didn't go to school up until now because now that I think of what I want to study, I, I think of what I actually want to study and not just for the sake of getting a degree so I can get a job because I have a job now and I have things that look all right on my CV. I don't, I don't just need to do something for the sake of the degree. I'd really like to get into um, psychology. So... I've been looking into doing some online courses so I can continue to work at the same time so I don't have to um, go back to being financially dependent on anyone.
0: And when it comes to your mom, um, now that you've kind of gone through all of this, are you tempted to...
1: I have gotten back in touch with her, actually. Okay,
0: so how's that been, and what have you uncovered?
1: Um, it's so difficult because... When I talk to her, it feels like I'm speaking to a stranger, obviously, after, you know, being away from her for about 12, 13 years. But she doesn't seem to understand that. She wants me to be really affectionate and and there. So I don't don't feel like my relationship with her is going to work out as well as I had hoped for it to.
0: And is that because she... um She does she have a concept or or, obviously she has to have some sort of understanding of what you uh, went through because she at one point had to go through.
1: Yeah, she did. My dad used to be I remember him being quite physically abusive to her over the smallest of things. Um, I spoke to her a lot about it a lot about the things the the things that i went through with him i wanted her to understand why i hadn't gotten in touch for so long because the last time that i tried i got locked in a room for a week so i explained all of these things to her and i think i think this is part of the reason why i don't think a relationship with her is going to work out because she took all of that and she said yeah but he's your dad i'm sure he loves you and so again i felt very invalidated mm-hmm. and i I'm trying to stay away from that because part of working on my self love means that I have to surround myself with people who validate my feelings.
0: Yeah. And so, speaking of validation, who was the first person to validate you?
1: I think it was my best friend.
0: It was your best yeah. friend. And yeah. um, what is that person who was friends with you like when all this stuff started happening? So, what is your relationship? Uh, like with your best friend, and um, does your friend know that they are probably, I would say, assume the most important person in your life, someone that does that for you?
1: Yeah, she knows. She knows okay. for sure. Yeah. She she lives abroad, so we don't live in the same country, but um, I do try and see her every other month. I haven't seen her in some time due to uh, the virus, but... Besides that, I do try to see her as often as I can, and I think I don't think I would have been able to get through it as well as I have without having her there because whenever things got really bad, which was you know when things would go back to ground zero when my dad would find out something new, all of these things whenever it got really, really bad, I always felt like if it was really urgent and it really came down to it and i needed to leave right now she would be there no matter what so it was really nice to have that security blanket but i obviously didn't want to have to run away or escape because i had the hope that things were going to go back to normal
0: so for people who have gone through the same thing as you or different story, but grew up in a home with a narcissistic parent and um, one or two uh, or people uh, that might be going through what you're going through right now, what is the biggest thing that you uh, want them to know?
1: That it's not their fault. I think that was uh i think that's the thing that probably damaged my self-image the most i i hated myself when i lived the life that i thought that i i thought that i brought everything on myself i hated myself i hated the person who i'd become i saw myself as such a liar because you know he always called me a, a pathological liar and all the things that he said to me, they stayed with me. I mean, when I was 16, when he when he found out that I was speaking to my mom, after he had physically hurt me and everything, he sat me down and he said to me, I don't love you right now. If you die in front of me, I would not care. And so I felt... All of the things that he was saying, I felt like, yes, I brought this on myself. It's my fault. He's right. I am a liar. I am a horrible person. So I'm trying my best now to get rid of all these feelings. So if anyone's listening, it's not your fault. You don't deserve this.
0: And from listening to you say that, you know, when he's calling you a liar and you're uh, leading your double life because you need to do it to survive. All the things he's saying have a kernel of truth in it because of what you're forced to do, which, yeah. then, which then reinforces what exactly. he's saying. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. Because the things that he was saying weren't exactly untrue. I was lying to him, but he was the only person that I lied to. I mean, obviously, we all lie to people, but to the extent that I did, he was the only person that I... Would lie to it wasn't like I lied for no reason because I was just trying to be a liar, but despite all of that, despite all the like the logic behind it, I still believed the things that he was saying.
0: Well, I just want to thank you for being on our show today, Victoria. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, It was a pleasure, and. You know, you've gone through a lot. You've been through, you know, verbal, emotional, physical abuse, and you know you you're essentially you're a prisoner in in a home, and um, and you made it out, and you did it on your own, and you should be really proud of yourself. Um, Thank you. That means a lot that you got to that point, because I said to some other people on the show that a lot of people would have been in your situation and would not have dealt with it in in the same way that you did. And, you know, you stuck to being you and, you know, with a lot of scapegoats, um, you know they're the scapegoat because they speak up and they challenge yeah. and they challenge what is going on. And
1: actually, now that you mentioned it, um, discovering the role of the scapegoat helped me so much after leaving, because that also helped me realize that it, it wasn't my fault. And it was only because I was, I had my own opinions and he didn't want that.
0: And when you learned about all of those, um, things and all when you learned about narcissism is that when you kind of set yourself free really in the sense of like i think i'm
1: still slowly setting myself free there are some days where i feel like i miss him but um
0: but you understand the process of processes of what's going on and and the breakdown of all the relationships and everything that goes along with it
1: it it helped a lot. Like I said, it's, it's not just necessarily the label of it, but just understanding how the patterns are... They're so similar to one another, and just understanding that all of these patterns exist because of who he is. It helps.
0: <laughs> well, thank you, and... Um... From the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate you being here today we haven 't had an episode in a bit of time actually i i don't remember my memory's not the greatest, but i don 't think we've had an episode <laughs> recently with um, uh, about narcissistic parents or have we do you remember
1: no no I, 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 I was looking for one yeah it's, it's, it's,
0: it's been it's been a while so uh, thank, yeah. th- so thank you for. Uh, coming on the show today and
1: thank you for having me you're and, and i'm sorry for not being able to put everything into words as well as i'd I, like I, well as i would have liked to but it's so difficult
0: i know you did a really good job you did you did you did fine don't worry about it you did good thank you. <laughs> um and for everyone else out there who is listening i hope you have a good night